Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, joining us tonight for Nightcap Extra, a little bit of a long-form sit-down, talk-down, one Mike McKenna, occasional VGK practice e-bug and AT&T Sportsnet TV analyst and very active Twitter personality, at least during the games. Mike, thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome. And we got to be careful with e-bug. Yes, we do. Because I'm not official. You're not official. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I meant, I meant, that's what I mean. Occasional VGK, you know, practice. Sometimes you yeah. jumped in in case a flower needed a day off or Occasional two. Occasional target. There you go. That would describe me. Well, you're, you still got the gear. You still got the game and, and it usually goes well for you out there. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're not going to see a ton of practice time for the rest of the season, the rest of the way out. Yeah. Who knows? I'm ready whenever, but I usually need a big shot of oxygen when I'm done because it's, Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm absolutely. so out of shape after being 10 months out from playing. It's not the same. Like when you're on the ice every single day, you forget what your cardio can turn into. It's and crazy how quick you lose it. Just yeah. a couple of weeks and all of a sudden you're huffing and puffing. I remember seeing you, seeing you a couple of weeks ago and they were, they were firing the shots and just regroup, regroup, regroup. And I was watching I'm like, God, I am so not jealous of Mike's life right now. It's still so much fun though. Cause there's no pressure or anxiety when I go out there and do it. And yeah. like even the last time I went out was a morning skate, and it was the first one of those I'd helped out with. Mm-hmm. And it just felt so good to get out of my net and handle the puck. I suppose. We had wrap, you know, we right. rimmed the puck. I yep. gave it to the defenseman. And sure. Like that was one of my absolute favorite things as a goaltender was handling the puck. And I haven't done that 10 months. Right. Like in a competitive setting. So every little 10 foot pass I made, I was like self celebrating. I was so happy that I still had it with it. <laughs> right. Well, those are the little things that separate everyone. And it kind of gives you a chance to be not just a goalie, but a goalie outside of the net. We don't see a ton of that, or at least there's not nearly as uh, as many opportunities as it used to be, you know, before the Brodor roll and all yep. the other uh, all the other stuff else happened. But what I wanted to talk to you about today, Mike, and just an overarching conversation about goaltending and, and the competitive dynamic that we're kind of seeing now that we're uh, seeing not just the Golden Knights. Uh, opting to go with a more tandem goalie style for the rest of this season, but just that 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 look in the league because I think it's something that is just in its beginning stages, and I think we're going to see a full adoption from all teams, or just at least in that mindset, because I think that it's so important to really uh, have two goaltenders that can go in this league because the schedule is so heavy. There's so much being demanded from these guys, and more so than ever with the alter alterations with to pads to the way the game is played. Do you think that that's something that we're seeing that we're just on the early or the tip of the spear, I should say? Yeah, you're spot on with this. You, you look at the teams in the league that are doing really well right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, look at St. Louis, Boston, Dallas, Washington. Take your pick. Okay, so yep. there's other teams involved in this mix as well, but by all large part, those teams have two goaltenders that could be potentially considered a number one somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So you know you're dealing from a position of strength when you have two goalies that in really two bullets in the chamber, if you will, right? You have right. two people ready to go that you know can win you a game no matter what. And and that's something that Vegas, the Golden Knights looked at and thought, we think we can upgrade here. Uh, we, we don't want to go into playoffs just thinking it's Marc-Andre ride or die here. We need right. to have somebody else that we trust and we're confident in going forward. And 
And that's not that Malcolm Subban wasn't that. They just felt like they could find an upgrade on the market. Right. And, and I think everybody in that room to a T says that they all hope you know, Malcolm Subban goes on to a great career and oh, still absolutely. has that potential. And But in short term, in win now mode, mm-hmm. where you have a lineup that you're plugging those little areas that you think you can get better, Robin Leonard's available. He's a Vezina finalist last season. Mm-hmm. And because of all the smart moves that the Golden Knights did salary cap wise leading up to the trade deadline, they afforded themselves the availability to add a second Vezina can uh, you know right. second Vezina caliber goaltender exactly. to the mix now. And, and the byproduct of that is he's gonna play some games down the stretch, gives Marc Andre Fleury a bit of a rest, mm-hmm. and, and you go into playoffs with two guys who are energized, who are ready. And that's 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 an advantage, you know. Not every team has that luxury. Absolutely, and I think we 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 don't really need to delve into the physical advantages that it, that that affords. At least that mindset affords. I think what really pays off in a dividends and what really will pay off for the Golden Knights is that mental break because we've seen what happens to Mark Andre Fleury when they have to ride him a little bit too much when they're playing him not just against the big time opponents but the small ones, and you're just going in those streaks. But the preparation for each and every game, we don't see that. We don't see the mental gymnastics, but that's something that you went through, something that I went through at a much different level. But I, I think that's what really uh, what Mark Andre Fleury needs at this point is somebody to kind of subconsciously permiss himself to say, hey, I don't have to be you know, the guy that always feels his, he has to play every game because I'm the guy that gives us the best chance to win, which I feel is still true, at least up until this point. But there's just not this pressure to always be, I have to be available. I have to be ready. I have to be you know, on point for each and every game. And that's just such a, a grind and it can deplete you. And if you're, if, you're in a, if you're in a division as competitive as this one with a team that's kind of been up and down, although they had a very good win streak last night's game, we'll, we'll talk about that later on the overall show. But it's going to be so important these last few weeks, and it's just the mental break is so needed. Well, you don't sell yourself short here. You know exactly what this is like regardless of the level you've played with. Sure. Whether you're in the NHL, whether you're playing college hockey, where, anywhere there's a, a two-goalie tandem and mm-hmm. there's a competitive nature of it, you know the feeling. Right. That, you know, especially if you've been looked at as the starting goalie or the number one goaltender that you want to have your night off and be able to sit on the bench Enjoy the game, mm-hmm. relax, and not have to be mentally turned on. You can check out almost, right? It's mm-hmm. almost like going off the grid, turn your phone off, just watch the it's game. It's like driving. Yeah, that's yeah. what you want. You don't want to be sitting on the bench nervous thinking, oh, I'm going, I might be going in, I might be going in. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you want that break. And to be able to rejuvenate like that, to know that you have a partner that can take care of business, it's a great feeling. And, you know, the, the nice part here too is that you've got a team that's on the cusp of, really having a great chance to make a run at the Stanley Cup here in terms of the lineup. They've obviously got to play that well to get there in the mm-hmm. playoffs first. Um, but you have two goalies that want to win. You're part of the team. That's the greater good of it. You know, It's not an ego-based thing where you have to be the number one guy. Like You want to win, and you want to be part of that. Right, and that's where I think a lot of people get confused, or at least with, with this move with bringing Leonard, because I think so many people and so many fans read it as – well, we're bringing Leonard to supplant Mark Andre Fleury. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is about supplementing him. This to is about complement exactly, him. exactly. Right. And, and in terms of how that dynamic, it's, like, it's like ordering a great steak and and then going out and ordering like 
white wine or something that just doesn't mesh. Like yes. you, you're bringing in a nice red wine to go with the steak you already have right. to complement it. It's it's mutually to enhance beneficial. The experience. Yeah, that's uh, right. A hundred percent. But when you're bringing in a new personality and and goalies, we're very unique types of people. We kind of rub rub off from each other in in different ways. I know that Mark Andre Fleury and Malcolm Subban had a very tight relationship, and I know that you've played with Robin Leonard in the past. But in terms of how these guys kind of approach each other in the locker room, because I feel like. Yeah, you can have that conscious mindset of saying, well, I don't need to be the guy. I don't need to be the number one. But there's that competitive, you know, tiny voice that's always in the back of our heads, whether that's in the locker room in between periods trying to be like, you better get your head out of your ass. Like, you need to get going. You need to start playing better. Or it's when you make a really good save, making like, yeah, that was amazing. Like, just get and and how that that little conversation goes on in between yourself and your head. Do you think that that's something that they kind of have to constantly uh, address now that this is kind of a, a new situation, not just for the Golden Knights, but just as as a, as a position in general? Because that mindset, it's always been we have a workhorse guy and a guy that comes in and, and, and cleans up in a spot if the guy, if the starter can't get it done that night or he really, really, really needs a break. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot to that for sure, because you've got. Well, first off, let's let's look at this, too. Like you've got a new scenario with mm-hmm. Pete DeBoer's head coach who's historically run with one guy until this season when he started to play both goaltenders when he was in San Jose. And and you see what's happening around the league. And Pete DeBoer is not somebody who is stuck in his ways. He's someone who has constantly adapted to things. He's willing to listen and look at that. And it's, it's worth really noting that when the Golden Knights looked at bringing in Robin Leonard or another goaltender, they spoke with Marc-Andre Fleury about it. And they don't have to afford him they that They don't have that to do that at all. But they know that Marc Andre is the heartbeat of the team. They mm-hmm. know that there could be potential ramifications for this. And yes. obviously, if they brought Robin Leonard in, it was all good to go by, by Marc Andre Fleury's standards. So sure. looking at it as a goaltender who's done this before, that competitive aspect of it isn't a bad thing no. being pushed whatsoever. Absolutely. You know, you have to bring it every day. You know, I, I, if I wanted my career to continue, I had to outplay my goalie partner. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean I was wishing ill will on my goalie partner. I want them to be successful because you want the team to be successful. But you still want to be the better goalie. Like, sure. that's how this works. That's how you're wired as a pro athlete. You're a competitor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be even that little bit could be a bump to Mark Andre, too, in ways. But it's just, it's, it's, it's such a, fine line too. Like you have to know your personalities. You Mm -hmm. have to do your homework on it. And that's where you trust the team to know that they've done all of their homework leading up to it to think that this is a move that is going to help us, that the personalities are going to work, that they've done all their due diligence to try to make the team as good as they can. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's just a professional hockey mindset or do you feel like you had that similar mindset in college, in juniors, in high school as you were coming up through the youth? Because when it's professional hockey, everybody's getting paid. Like that's that's just a, it's a different thing than sometimes we don't always you know bring that out explicitly because that changes a lot of different things. You know, our people's motivations change a lot, and at least for me on the on the girls side because we have such different options in terms of like future and and how how many spots are there's just not as many teams. I felt that it was a much more vindictive type of uh, relationship in some ways. It could be. I mean. 
I got lucky for the most part. I only had a couple of, of goaltending partners that I didn't get along with over the course of my career and one that I really didn't. But for the most part, it was that collaborative approach. But I feel like guys are different. I feel like, you know, that kind of professionalism is something that's present from a younger age. And I don't know if that's just because there's more guys, more spots, more opportunities, or if it's just the way that uh, the genders kind of socially, you know, their dynamics work through one another. Well, I think you learn it as you go, mm -hmm. right? And, and especially as you get into to junior college pro, there's all those steps to it. And there's right. such a big pool. Junior hockey is way different. So maybe junior hockey aligns a little bit more with what you're describing, sure. I would think. You know, I mean, I, I'll give you a great story on it right now, actually. Perfect. There's, you know, I'm not going to name them. There's a kid who I've kind of been working with a little bit. Mm -hmm. And for a reason, it, it involves my alumni with St. Lawrence University sure. and stuff. But he's never been a backup. He's never been a number two. He's always been the guy. He's been the man. Mm -hmm. And he's had a really hard time getting his head around the fact that he's not playing every single game. Mm -hmm. and, and that he's not option A anymore. That's right. Right. And, and, and the reason I mention this is because you pick any goalie in the NHL and they've had to be a number two at some point. Mm -hmm. All of them. But otherwise, Mark they wouldn't be there. Mark right? Andre Fleury, when he was 16 in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, played 30 games, 20 games. Mm -hmm. Carey Price in the Western League, 25 games his first year. Tuka Rask, he's a backup in the American Hockey League for a year, takes mm -hmm. over his second year, goes to the NHL, he backs up Tim Thomas. Sure. And like every goalie's done it. But what young goalies don't realize is that it's going to happen to them because it's still, I'm the greatest thing, you know, and, right. I, and I've been. It's easy to do in this sports climate with how right. professionalized youth sports are and goalie goalie parents. Right. We don't need to go that, that deep into that either. So I think that as you, as you go through the steps to getting to pro hockey, to getting to the NHL, you learn how to be a teammate straight up. Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't, you don't last. I mean, there's I've probably had one goalie partner who in pro hockey I really didn't enjoy. Sure. Like one-on-one -on -one personally – fine you know but like at the rink it just it just didn't work and it's just a different a and different to be bit. honest like he didn't get it and i've you know that person's been traded four times and he's under you know certain age and sure like you just you learn how to work with people and, and you learn how to be happy for other people for their success but it never takes away from your own internal desire to be better than that person and that's healthy that's that's how you become a professional but it's how you drive your career forward for sure it's not about at least for me th through as i learned through college it wasn't about getting rid of the internal conflict of, of being like i'm happy for my teammate or my goalie my goalie partner but and having that same thought why well, that's my success too i want I, why can't that be me it's just more or less of being able to fake it till you make it because yeah. and that's what and that's what really drives you because I feel like most people don't have that ability to put that aside or to leave things on the ice or off the ice because you know we spend so much time together when you're in season you see, spend more time with them than you do your own families and so you can there certain things are going to be said some fights are going to happen once in a while or differences of opinion that that piss you off and make you a little mad at your buddy but for the most part you have to be able to compartmentalize and move on and I guess when you're going through juniors, that's a cut, you know, once you get past that next level to college, well, that's another cut. Then right. it's, an, you know, and so you're dealing with all of these guys or gals that, that have made it through each level of, of the cut of, of a players, not just if they're physically gifted, if they're mentally gifted, but if they can handle this competitive dynamic, because I just feel like most of us aren't being prepared as well as we previously had been, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Do you feel like that's the that's the that's that's something at least not just in goaltending well, but in in uh, sports these days? Everybody thinks they're going to make it to Division One and then make it to the NHL yeah. or to make it to women's 
Olympics, sure. you know, I, it's I just, easy. I, and frankly, this is a whole bunch of, of opinion coming at you right now, 100%. but all the, all the motivational speaking of the world, all the entrepreneur books, all these things that tell you to set goals and you can achieve anything and you can do anything you want in the world. Mm -hmm. I can tell you from my first week of physics class, I wasn't going to design roller coasters. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. You love roller coasters too. I, I, I have a thing for them. Yes. But like, I, I, and I'm not trying to like shoot people's dreams down here, no. but like you got to earn it, you know, and, and it, it, these, all these motivational things to me oversimplify the fact that it's not that easy. No. It's not just simply in your mind saying, I'm going to do this, so it's going to happen. There's processes to it. There's mm -hmm. luck involved. There's situational. And the only thing that you can do truly, like your goal in life is the best you possibly can on the ice that day. Mm -hmm. That's it. you know. And if it works out for you, awesome. But What's hard for me is when I see people walk away from the game and they're bitter at it for some reason. Right. That, oh, Somebody I else got, ruined I it got for screwed me. by mm -hmm. a coach here or I didn't get the playing time I deserved. Well, you know what? You don't deserve anything in life. Like you make it happen. And if it doesn't happen, sometimes you have to look at it with a broad spectrum to think that, you know, maybe I could have done something different. Maybe the chips didn't fall. But all you can do is your best, you know? For sure. And, and that's the mentality you're seeing now, though, is that all these kids think they can make it. Like, it's just, oh, I can make the NHL, you know? Right. And well, not everybody can. It's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to tell people that though, right? Like that's a dose of reality. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there's certain people who will look at reality and take it and use it to motivate and just realize that they're that lucky to keep playing on and on and on. If they right. make it, that's amazing. But there's others who will look at it and just say, you're killing my dream. You don't believe in me. And, and mm -hmm. no, I'm just, we're just telling you how it is. Right. Like, <laughs> well, and, and you're right. We don't believe in you because it's not our job to believe in you. It's your job to believe in yourself right. first and then go. And I know that sometimes that's hard and it's much easier said than done, but you have to find your people. You can't just expect, you know, like peewee coach guy who's only seen you for a year to be like, yeah, I'm going to advocate for you at the next level. No, you you find your teammate. You find your your coach that helps develop you in the off season and, and your parents and your support system. And that's who you rely on because if you're looking for, you know, outside voice voices to tell you how good you are and how good you should feel about your game and your future. There, this is not the right sport and this is no. not the right species to be in just no. straight up. No. And I, you're absolutely right. It's 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 not just hard work and talent and everything else. There's so much luck involved. There's so much just Leonard, Leonard's trade in general. We They didn't really, there was no, no inkling that this was coming out and it was all in real time saying like, like you said, Hey, he's available. We need, this is a, this is a position of need. We have the assets necessary. Let's figure it out right now. Right. And they acted quickly, you yeah. know, and, and to get that to happen, you know, Kelly McCrimmon, when he went through the process of it said, yeah, this came about basically today, you know, mm -hmm. I mean that they had been in contact, obviously all GMs talked to sure. one another, but it really happened fast. Yeah. And so you got to round up your horses and you got to check your boxes. You got to talk to Mark Andre. You got to figure out with your, with your leadership group, with your management group, is this going to work? And mm -hmm. I mean, that's the fascinating part of managing hockey and, and something that I've never done. I've. It's the game behind the game behind the game. Right. I've been a player. I've mm -hmm. been a union rep. I am a broadcaster now. Listen right. to me. But I've never sat in the boardroom for meetings. And to me, that's fascinating how they can come to these quick decisions that they believe will help their team. And sometimes you just got to roll with it, right? right. Like you're never going to be 100% sure. Right. But it's admirable, though, because they, they, they took all those assets and this is as good a team as you can put on the ice. It truly is. For like sure. it's, it's up to the players to execute now and for Coach DeBoer to lead them to where they want to go. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think that the the team is going to have to execute in different ways with Robin Leonard versus Mark Andre Fleury? Because I know that they're they're not completely different, but they're sure as hell not similar in any way, shape, or form in terms of their style and how they read the game. Do you think that that's something that they're going to have to go on a game-to-game basis, or do you think that it's just an implementation process for Leonard and that hopefully everything gets just picked up and then, you know, just like anything else, you settle, you get to know one another, and it becomes the the cohesive unit? Yeah, the team's not going to change how they play. Pete right. DeBoer said that right away when they got him. It's We're not changing anything with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I And talking with, with Robin, though, he's very open about how, yeah, I've got to learn the system and adapt to it and... He is somebody who really relies on his reads. He, he's got a Why great. Why is that? Uh, he's gifted with it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. he, he doesn't like to play terribly aggressive. He likes to stay connected to his net a little mm-hmm. bit deeper if he can, because look at his size. I mean, yes. that's what everybody says. Pete DeBoer, oh, the big guy's going to play. Well, right. he is. He's a big man who takes up a lot of net. So mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be overly athletic uh, or aggressive, but. He's very powerful, though. Like For he sure. is incredibly powerful side to side when he needs to be. Mm-hmm. But but Robin's true strength is reading the play and adapting and analyzing and, and learning what his systems are mm-hmm. with the team and learning how to take his own systems and and work into that. And so it's the other night he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, he outstanding was outstanding outside of the first shot, first goal, which is a tough thing to uh, come yeah, back from a, too. It's a screenshot with two guys in front, oh, and a sure. bad turnover, and blah blah blah. Look at Flurry's first shot last night, right. same type of thing. But he comes back and plays a great game from there on mm-hmm. out. And even hearing him speak afterwards, though, ah, oh, there's still areas you know that I I know I need to get better and adapt. And mm-hmm. he just had a great game. They allowed two goals against. Yep. So to me, that really shows the analytical mind and the self awareness he has for his own game. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's always searching for that extra. For sure. How did you read plays when you were in the net? And what was going on in between your ears? Because we all have yeah. something that's going on upstairs, and we're all unique in their nature. So, so what was well, going on between yours? I can tell you what. It's starting to get to be pool season here, and if anybody sees me with my shirt off, they're not, they're going to realize that it wasn't purely on athleticism. <laughs> so, um, I I like to believe that the strength of my game was similar to Robin's in terms of reading the play. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I I played forward in the summer. Sure. I played goalie in the winter. I, I loved watching the game in general. And, and for whatever reason, I had a really good feel for what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that, too, was that the teams I played on, the more I played and when I was number one and taking over, I would have the availability to kind of help guide my teammates and how I like to do things in our zone, too. Well, especially on breakouts. Breakouts, mm-hmm. handling the puck, but penalty kill especially. That was my baby. Like That was your baby. I think... And they always say your goalie has to be your best player. Well, mm-hmm. it's more than just making saves. It's it's letting your teammates know, hey, I want this guy to shoot. Right. Okay. In penalty killing, you're going to give up shots. Mm-hmm. But if you can control where they come from, what's minimized, you know, if you have confidence in what you're doing, mm-hmm. that helps. So uh, for me, that was a large aspect of it was was being able to read the play, but also being able to adapt, like just watching what other goalies are doing, staying current with the times mm-hmm. and... And thankfully, biomechanically, my body held up for it. It's amazing how that just ends up. Some people get such a rough go and it just gets weird and it's bad luck and just bad timing. But you stayed pretty much scot-free. I didn't have a ton of injuries when when I was playing outside of concussions. But that's considering what we do to our bodies and how much we contort them. them. And Leonard is a really unique uh, just stance in in general because he is so long, he's so lanky, but he really really just like – 
folds himself down. I think that's why he has to stay so deep in the crease because he has to have those feet so wide and those edges right. dug in. And that would make more sense. But do you, do you think that, say, you take Marc Andre's uh, style in terms of aggression, in terms of a little bit more athletic, what bodes better just in general for, for a for a goaltending body? Somebody who's a little more athletic or someone that stays at home a little more like Leonard that just lets things come to him and he reacts that way? Well, it just it depends so much on yeah. who they are and what's their strength. Mm-hmm. You know, someone like Marc-Andre Fleury with the athleticism he plays with and the occasional highlight reel saves and liking to be further outside of his crease and challenge and make aggressive plays with poke checks mm-hmm. and 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 Robin Leonard too will do untraditional saves. It's the it's he the element. He throws deck saves all the time. It's the element of unpredictability sometimes. Right. Like Connor McDavid comes in on Mark Andre Fleury, mm-hmm. and Mark Andre goes full peacock with the poke check stack. Yep. And is that a high percentage save? Not as high as probably staying in your butterfly or doing something else. But you're facing the best player in hockey yep. with the fastest speed, with a crazy set of mitts coming at you. Mm-hmm. So in Mark Andre's head, it's like I'm already on low percentage. Why not? Why not give this guy a look that he's not expecting mm-hmm. and try to freak him out or make him do something he doesn't want to? Right. And he puts it off the crossbar. He misses the net. It's not even a shot on goal. No. Us, us goalies will tell you that. Yeah, but, exactly. But I mean. I tried to do that on Barkov last year against Florida. That didn't work out very well for me, but that was the reason. Right. You know, so a guy like Mark Andre, you would never want to take his game away. Right. Right. It's like it's like grabbing a guy who's a skilled forward and telling him he's just going to go crash and bang. Yeah. You go can't grind in the corners, bud. That's it. Go you know? pin and, uh, and chill. I understand you've been a second line forward, yeah. but today we want you to go play fourth. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. So you don't take that away from Marc Andre's game. You just want to make sure that his and, and I'm this is kind of like goalie coach speaking a little sure. bit, I suppose. But you can tell when he's on because he's always he's crisp in his movements. There's 100%. not a lot of wasted uh, energy, and he when he's on, he's not chasing the game, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he's still playing a little bit more aggressively than most. Right. You know, like he can look like a like a like a gong show in terms of like you said, athletic looking saves. But for me, I look at his trunk, at his core. And I'm like, wh- how are his 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 arms moving? Is he shifting with his weight or is he working against himself? Right. Because those little micro movements, while they're really small, when they add up, those add up to the milliseconds that are the difference between getting just a piece of it so it goes over the net or it hits the crossbar right. from Connor McDavid or it finding it behind you, behind the goal line in the net. So take Robin Leonard. You mm-hmm. can't tell him to play two feet outside his crease. No, it's that's not going to work. Not, that's not how he plays. Mm-hmm. And... You know, kind of touching back a little bit to, to which is better and it, will it work with the team. Really a good example of this to me is is Bishop and Hudobin in Dallas. Yeah. In terms of two goalies that play incredibly different than one another. Mm-hmm. You know, Hudobin's is close to a battlefly goalie. It was yeah. called. Remember Tim Thomas, they called him Battlefly. Yeah, there is no rhyme or reason. There's just things right. flying around. They combined battle yep. because he just grinds to get the save and do whatever he can with mm-hmm. butterfly because he did have some structure too. Right. So like Hudobin's kinda in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um and really, Mark Andre is not far from that either. Right. You know, and then you've got Ben Bishop, who plays very deep in his net, very structured, controlled, who is more like Robin Leonard in very some instances. Very tall. Six, seven, right? Yes. So um, those two are kind of a good, uh, kind of a good uh, comparison, I think, in terms of how the team would play. Right. Which is the same. But right. you just have two different guys in the net. For sure. And that's a really good uh, comparison to draw, at least for those two, because we we are seeing some tandems that are more of an equal partnership. And then you have teams like we saw last night with Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson, where that's very much 
where the old guard and the new guard, there's supposed to be some sort of collaboration because Jonathan Quick is still under contract for a couple of years with Cal Peterson being the younger guy and, and, and being the next guy for that organization, or at least what they think right now. How do you think they handle that? Because that's a different dynamic, and I know that personalities come into play and and everything else. But when it comes to you know a Pecorine and a UC and a Soros, how does that compare in terms of how they they compete with one another, how they support one another in comparison to like you said what the, the situation in Dallas and here in, in Vegas? Well, it's different, right? You yeah. get two goalies that are kind of at the same age in Dallas yeah. versus, like you mentioned, the the Nashville scenario, mm-hmm. the 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 LA, LA. scenario, even it, New York Rangers. I mean, this is truly like changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not what's going on here. No, you know, I mean, who knows what? Like Robin Leonard's under contract through the end of the year. Sure. Who knows what's going to happen there? Maybe he loves it and he wants to come back, but you're going to have to find a manageable cap hit to do that. Yep. You know, I I don't know what's going to happen there if. You can never underestimate somebody liking someplace they play and what they'll do for a contract. I mm-hmm. will say that. But Dallas is different. Those guys are in the same place in terms of career and life right. and things. And Hudobin, I'm sure, will look for more down the road and a bigger expanded role because he's proven he can do it. But sure. when you have the changing of the guard, as if you will, yeah, it can be interesting. And I know kind of... Inside ball, Pekka Rene and UC Saros, super close. Yeah. Like the guys love each other. They they help each other nonstop. And and that's not to say other relationships aren't like that. But mm-hmm. It's the, unique when they get along as well as they as do. As well as they do, right? right? Like usually it's a working relationship. Sure. Take the New York Rangers where Henrik Lundqvist had essentially been pushed aside to be in a healthy scratch mm-hmm. despite still having good numbers this season. You know, they're not catastrophic, but – who played most of the games when the team wasn't good at the start? Right. Who's been holding court here while right. you guys are waiting to get Panarin and all of them in yeah. here? So, yeah. you know, he'd been kind of cast aside. Shishurkin gets in a car accident, hangs back, but he's still backing up Georgiev. And yeah. That's different, you know, and, and, it's, and true, like, different nationalities. Like, you got the two guys that are both Finnish. That's true. In, in Nashville. So, um, that's a real thing, you know. Yeah. It really is. It's it, Sometimes it's hard to relate to your partner. If they're from a different background or you're right. just just the way it works, language barriers. Yeah, it's you know? and, and not just language where it's like English versus Finnish. It's hard for all of us to get on the same page as goaltenders just to call like, what is it called when you butterfly slide to the post directly? Right. Because there's just so many different ways that we all describe it to one another because we're all about describing it to the, to whoever we're, we're talking to and coaching them to the movement. And as long as the the, the physical message get, gets through, it doesn't matter about the labeling. Right. But it's just, I, I would I would find it really tough to be, you know, Jonathan Quick. I've won two Stanley Cups. I've won a Conn Smythe. I've been here for over 10 years. And, you know, the end comes for all of us and 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 that that natural kind of handing off to the next generation is going to happen but when it's not on your timeline which it really never is for most of us it has to be a really tough dynamic especially when you have years left on your con it's not just you know a situation that we find ourselves here where well technically if if they make if they make the Stanley Cup finals which let's go I you and I are totally down yeah you know July rolls around then we only have one goalie under contract. Whereas in that situation, that's a very different thing. Did you ever have any experiences where, say, you got called up or you got traded and you came in and it was a very combative relationship with whoever the the incumbent was at that point? Yeah, I've, I'd had relationships where it was kind of like, hey, what's up? You know? And that's it? <laughs> and that's it, you know? Yeah. I mean, because a lot of times for me, I was just the call-up guy. They knew I was a warm body. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ever really the prospect who was going to push them out of their position. Sure. You know, when I got called up to Arizona playing behind Mike Smith, who I'd been teammates before with in Tampa yeah. Bay, 
Smitty knew I wasn't taking his job. Yeah. Right? Like, I played one game in five months after I was leading the American League in everything. Right. So I'm not going to get a chance here. Like, I knew that immediately. The moment I hit a guarantee in my contract, I got sent down. Yeah. Like, pretty obvious what's yes. going on, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's different dynamics like that where... Sure. And, and honestly, why do you... It's, it's hard, too. Like, if you're not a naturally outgoing person, why do you want to get close to somebody you know is going to be gone in three weeks? You know, that's, that's fair not, too. And, and not everybody's wired that way. That's not to say anybody's like, like a bad guy or something no. at all. It's just like, why would I put forth the effort to the really ener- establish and the energy, something? Right. Yeah. Like, and, and I say that like Smitty, like Smitty and I are friends. I like Smitty at all, yeah. you know, but it, it was never like, we were like the best of friends in a three sure. week time span. So when you have there in your hair for a, an entire season, like the relationship Subban and Fleury had, mm-hmm. you know, you're very much helping, grooming, mentoring, and just having that role. And, and it's hard for a guy like, I mean, imagine Jonathan Quick who hasn't played up to his Yeah, in the last couple likes. seasons, yep. There's no question he's not played to what he expects of himself or yeah. anything. But you got two, three years left on your deal, whatever it may be, and you're always in your head thinking, I've got to get back to it. I've got to get back to it. Right. That's a hard spot to be in, uh-huh. you know, because some guys do. But if you don't, that's tough. You know, you're riding out an incredible career right? in terms that you don't really want because that's what your contract is. Yeah. And that's like mentally, that's not easy. I don't envy that at all. I got, I got to call my shot. I left the game when I wanted to. Right. You know? <laughs> well, and then and then you you have to think he's also being asked to help bring the young one along. And so you're almost you have to you're having to swallow some of your pride on that as well. And it would just it would be so tough because you know, we were we were all the young goalie coming up and we were like, look, look at us go and we get put in our place. But when you find yourself on the other end of that spectrum and you're putting the other other person in the place and seeing how, you know, what was I like? I was never like that. I was never that cocky. I was never. It, it just it seems like it's it happens so quickly, A, and B. It just seems like it would be such a huge undertaking as a, as a starting goaltender, somebody like you said, trying to chase their game. And then you have to you have to help this guy find his. You're helping the guy take your job yeah. at the same time. Yeah, and you're not. It's not like you're you're cheerleading. You no. know what I mean? No. But, but to be and you just it comes down to being a good teammate. Mm-hmm. Honestly, good teammate, a good person that you need. You should be happy for that person if they do well. Right. But inside your head, you're still thinking, "Oh boy." Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. I'm either going to get traded or this isn't going to end well or so, like right. those things enter people's head. It's reality. Um. But I can't put myself in those shoes because I was never a full-blown sure. NHL guy, too, where that changing of the guard happens. But sure. it's a different dynamic. But everybody has to go through it, and some handle it better than others. You know? Oh, absolutely. For sure. You hear those stories of guys who just would not let it go. You yeah. know, like. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then, and, and that teammate aspect can erode away. And sometimes it's just, it starts as just goalie on goalie, but then as the team sees it, as, as certain things happen, you can, you can read the room. You can see how guys are, 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 are towards each other without them saying anything to each other. How important is it for, the, for the locker room to buy into a new face in, in goal or just when it's a young guy, whether it's Leonard, whether it's, you know, Peterson, how much do, do guys take a beat on uh, how they're interacting with their goaltending partner and how they will interact with their new teammates? Well, they can read the goalies too. Right. You know, if you see the two goalies going over, having a good time in practice, talking to one another, being friendly, it makes it very obvious that we mm-hmm. have a teammate here who's going to be great with all of us, no problem. Sure. You know, and, and I love watching Robin Letter in practice. 
immediately, you know, chirping guys and, 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 and it going back taps. and forth right mm-hmm. away. Yeah. You know, you can just sense that there's, he's fitting in no problem. Right. right. And, and again, that goes into your homework of what you're working with. Mm-hmm. And there's also the respect level. You're bringing in a proven goaltender that guys know he can win. Right. And they know what he's capable of. So that helps too. Like there's apprehension if you bring somebody in who he has a great ceiling is different ah. than this guy was a Vezina finalist last year. Right. You know? We expect things from him rather than we've seen things from him. Correct. So you have instant credibility in the locker room when you walk in with that. Mm-hmm. You know? Like when I got called up, it, I'm sure it was always here comes the American League guy. Like right. I know I know what my reputation was and preceded me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I was gonna come in and be the next Tim Thomas. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I did my best. I wanted to be that. Yeah. But your reputation can kind of help you in those regards too. And it comes down to practice. If you practice hard, have a smile on your face. Yeah. It, it, Stay it goes out such... extra with the guys. Yeah. Just yeah. Eat, eat pucks. Yeah. There like, you go. You, if you want the ultimate respect to your teammates, stay out there and eat pucks. For sure. And don't complain and just do it, you know, and that's, that's part of the job. Interesting. That's so, it's so fascinating because it's just like, I feel like it's just like a different level than what I what I've experienced and how and how weird and how small things can kind of deviate you from your course. And and, and that's what's scary about. It. And I think that's what's the uncontrollable. But that's hockey in general. I always say, well, there's no there's a reason why we don't have set plays in hockey, because right. nothing really is is in anybody's control. And uh, do you think outside, do you think that they're going to go every other with these two? Do you think it's just going to be until somebody takes it and runs with it? Or do you think that they're going to try to say, well, Leonard plays, you know, these opponents better or in this building better, Marc-Andre Fleury performs? Or do you think they're just going to kind of see how things unfold? Uh, Pete DeBoer said today that Robin Leonard would go tomorrow. He mm-hmm. said that in his uh, post-practice press conference. So that's that's a rotation. Right. That's what we were that's looking we at for the so first far. three. Um, right. If I had to put my Swami hat on here and play a little bit of coach myself sure. and just thinking about this scenario and, again, being very cognizant that Marc-Andre Fleury is the heartbeat of this team, yep. that when you get to playoffs, he's going to be your guy. For oh, sure. I mean, like, he's the guy, 100%. You drop that puck first game. Uh, but I think going for the next couple weeks, 16 games left, I believe we're at now, rotate for a while, and then when it starts getting closer to playoffs – you get back towards Mark Andre plays two or three, maybe, and and, right. and and it's. I'm sure they've got something of a loose plan for what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the, the nice part though too is that they have the ability to kind of change on the fly as they feel with it. But for sure. But I do think like it's Mark Andre's team. It still is, no matter yeah. what. But. If you can rotate for a little while here, get a rest, and get Robin going too, right? Right, because like, you have to keep him fresh as well. 100%. That's That's the unspoken thing is that if you rotate, that's fine. But if you start going towards the back end of the season, you start, hey, we're going to start, you know, like you said, two for Marc-Andre, three for Marc-Andre, one for Leonard. Well, then you're kind of working against yourself because you're not really getting your backup or your 1B as much time to stay loose, stay engaged in the game, and, and stay all in on this team. Exactly. Like You want to do this now. You don't want to do it towards playoffs getting right. Robin Leonard more time. You want it now so that as you go towards playoffs, you're tapering towards what you want to have and you're starting, and you want Marc-Andre to string some together to get ready for the grind of playoffs. Right. You know, that, you know it's a mental hurdle that you're playing almost every night. Yeah. So you want to get Robin Leonard integrated with the systems like he said he wants to learn them and you only do that through playing yep so get him his games get him his reps doesn't matter where it is right like, these guys doesn't matter they can do it anywhere so I, I think it'll be 
I think what we're looking at now, the rotation for a bit, and then maybe, again, I'm doing Swami hat here. Right. So well, we're all just speculating here of like, what would we yeah. do if we're in this situation? Because but, it's tough. Yeah, but and it's just, I mean, think if Marc-Andre Fleury gets hurt. Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, yeah. that, that's the whole point of this, like that you need a guy who's ready to go. Right. And Be- you play, if you make it to the cup finals, you're playing two extra months of hockey. Mm-hmm. And you're banking on your guy to be healthy for two months. And this is different type of hockey, and too. It's, Very different type. And there's more body contact around the crease. Mm-hmm. It's intense. It's just, it takes a lot to get through that. Yeah. And then there's the mental preparation yeah. of that as well. I mean, and the I, pressure. I, I did it two years straight. Yeah. May not have been the NHL, American League, but I went to the finals. I played game six, game seven. I played it's June 13th and June 14th, right? Yeah. That's a lot of hockey. It's hard on your body. And I mean, I pulled a groin in both playoffs. Right. Acupuncture, stem, all these things oh, yeah. just to get me to the point that I could even get out there and play. But I wasn't leaving the crease unless I was unless losing they a ma- leg. Yeah, exactly. Unless they said, you're not going, you know? Right. <laughs> no, that makes total sense. And that's where the competitive nature comes out. And that's where everybody's pushing because you're not just dealing with the added pressure, the added stress, and the added uh, physical just – uh, grind that the playoffs have, but you're dealing with all the other stuff that you've 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 brought along the way through the regular season as well, and that's what makes the playoffs so special and so great. Because you think that these guys put everything on the line every each and every night during the regular season, they absolutely do. But there's just some little half little turn of the knob that all of a sudden, you know, you have guys breaking their legs and still trying to block shots, or just like who cares about my face when, when you're a goalie and you're going through that type of of grind, and it's a two months, and you're in, you're deep into the playoffs. How does your day-to-day preparation change, not just in terms of practice? Because you're just you're not going to be spending as much time on the ice when you're not in the games. But how do you stay, you know, fresh? How do you make sure you still maintain that edge without the reps? Yeah, you get off the ice. You just go walk away from it. You're yeah. playing so much. You right. Know? And when you're playing that often, you do. You hardly practice at all. But you just have to try to decompress as much as possible. Really? And just, and just forget hockey. Don't even watch other games around the league. It just just worry about what's going on for you. It's not it's not easy to do because it can become all consuming in playoffs because it has that heightened awareness mm-hmm. to it. But the the people who truly succeed in playoffs are the ones who can, like you, the great word you use, compartmentalize. Like you can realize this is my job, this is what I need to get done. Yep. But ultimately, I need to have fun doing this. Yeah. And there is and, such some, some uh, such a thing as too much preparation, especially yep. with goaltenders. The best hockey I ever played was when I was the most carefree. Mm-hmm. And, and the nice part was that one season we went to the finals two years ago, we were the underdogs, and that's the best feeling. Yeah. Because you, you had nothing to lose. Yeah, you, you there's know, no like, expectations just, for you. We're just playing. And I do think that that's – I think at times this season that's weighed on the guys here in the Golden Knights that having those expectations right. and living up to it's not always easy because no. this is a team on paper that – should contend, especially now. Right, you know? and have a very short but very strong history of contending and right. winning, and 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 it's reflected in the fan base as well, which is 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 crazy to me because it's. I mean, we'll we'll get some bad years. Hopefully, it's ten years in the future and nothing, and it's nothing but cups and success until then. But it's so crazy how rabid it is here and how much is expected of this team. Where do you think they are right now just in terms of what they expect? From, I, th- I think we all know exactly what they expect from themselves. But in terms of the national conversation, because I think that the Pacific Division doesn't get a lot of respect any year, but especially this year because it is so close yeah. and, there, and, it, and there's so much parity around. I, I, 
it fascinates me because people look at the Pacific and go, oh, the worst division in hockey. And I, and I look at it and I right. go, well, you've got five teams that are beating each other up. Right. You know, and a couple of doormats. Yeah. And ironically, one of the doormats is matched up really well against the Golden yeah. Knights. One and three for the Golden Knights against the Kings this <laughs> exactly. year. It doesn't make any sense. You know, and the, and largely the Golden Knights have outplayed them in most of those games yeah. in terms of possession, Corsi, all those fun numbers that we have, yep. shots on goal and stuff. But I, I just don't think that there's a drastic difference between conferences and hockey, especially when you have these teams that are that are so close and, and matching up well. And, right. and you see Vegas beat St. Louis and Washington and, yeah. and Tampa. The murderers row. You know, they're beating all those teams that are top end. Mm-hmm. They have. Beginning of the year, that wasn't happening. Yep. Okay. They're, they did not match up well against top teams. And as the season has progressed, so has the team. Under Pete DeBoer, especially, they're really hitting stride again and beating mm-hmm. these good clubs. That was a huge stretch for them to knock off some mega talented teams They've right. because they proved to themselves they can. Yeah. But it's also a wake-up call to the league to realize it's not just Vegas, too. I mean, Vancouver, Edmonton. Right. Those teams can do that also, you know. And, and again, they're just – they're stealing points from each other so much – Right, I, I, and they're not just running teams over like Washington was at the start of the year. Sure. Well, when you have a defenseman who's like leading in a bunch of statistical scoring it's categories, it's probably and it's you have freakish. a Vetchkin on your team, it's yeah. going to be pretty darn easy. And 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 that's the thing. It's just it's it's so weird. And I'm and I think to myself, well, how much of it is East Coast media bias, and how much is it just actually being where where maybe some of these teams are on the lower end of 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 what we're seeing in the Eastern Conference? But it's just. You want to talk about crappy teams? There's plenty of crappy teams over there. That's the only. That's the difference. The, oh, the yeah. parity there is so disparate, and there's such a big difference between the haves and the have-nots. I mean, just look at at Detroit. Look at Detroit. They have 35 points. I this feel year. so awful for those players. 15 there. wins. Yeah. And and Stevie Y, who built a hell of a hell of a program and a team down in Tampa Bay. I don't know if he, I don't know if this is this is the same project. It's a big hole. It's a huge <laughs> hole, and they 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 have need everywhere. The only the only spot. And the only person I could think that's safe on that team is is Dylan Larkin because yeah. Jimmy Howard ain't Jimmy Howard when he was you know battling the Coyotes and Mike Smith in those first second round battles ten years ago or so. It's, it's just that's a tough scenario for those players yeah. because it becomes it becomes self perpetuating too. Yeah, where the spiral just keeps going. It's tough to get up and give your all when you're not getting any positive reinforcement. And then you back. then you sell everything at the deadline. Yeah. and, and <laughs> It goes even further, and but but what's fun about those scenarios because I've been in them though, yeah, is that you can develop that us against them mentality, right? And sometimes those teams surprise. You well, know, the Knights got surprised now, last night, didn't they? Now listen, if if Detroit rattles off a ten game win streak, that's going to surprise a lot of people, right? But but for a team like that, you're looking for little victories, like you're looking sure. to string two or three together and start to feel good about yourself. And I mean, Ottawa's a good case in that. Mm-hmm. You know, last year when I was there. We were miserable in the first half. We couldn't win anything. Right. It felt like, and and this season, you know what? They bring a new coaching staff in. They've they've got some pieces, and and they've competed. Mm-hmm. Their salary is below the salary floor. Sure, <laughs> I mean, they they've have got a tons bunch of, of picks. They got dead contracts that are keeping them above the salary floor. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they are playing with joy and for each other and competing and battling, and mm-hmm. you know it can happen to teams like that. But but Detroit, man, that's. That's a big project for sure, but 
things can turn around really quickly in this game if you get the right pick or two and you right. get the right chemistry in the room and the right coach. Right, because I think a lot of people think, well, you jump on the bandwagon and you buy in when the team's good. For a lot of these teams, it's about buying in when they're bad. It's about right. b- believing in the program because, you know, as many uh, names as we've seen exit the LA Kings, exit the Detroit Red Wings, there are guys that are going to be held that were part of this kind of dark period of their franchise that are going to be part of it, you know, going forward. And this is where the real gritty stuff gets sewn in and the real, you know, camaraderie and the fight for one another really gets, gets implemented. Why do you think Mark Stone wanted to come to Vegas? Yeah. He didn't believe in what was going on in Ottawa. Right. And that that's, they weren't going to win. Okay. That's what I mean. I don't mean didn't believe in terms of what they were doing to produce a winner down the road. Yes. I meant now at this time. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're reaching a point in your career where you're 26 or seven and you've got to make that decision. You go to a team that's going to win. Right. That has a chance at winning. You yeah. Know? And, and, and that wants you and is willing to go the extra mile to make you comfortable and, right. and to give you a, a team that is not just about competing this year, but going forward as well right. and has a has a good roadmap of achieving that. Right. So that and that's what you face when you guys get to that point in their career. For you sure. know, if it's time to move on or stay and uh like a team like Otto, they have these great talent coming through that will be the next Mark Stones of the franchise. Mm-hmm. But boy, that's hard for a fan base though too. You know? Oh, for and, sure. And that's where like, I feel it's so amazing what's happened out here, how the fans have embraced the players. Mm-hmm. Like think about Colin Miller coming into the building two nights ago with Buffalo. Yeah. He gets a video montage. Yeah. Eric Howla, same way. Yeah. You know? Every time they come back. Every and, time. And it's the original misfits. It's the guys mm-hmm. who were here from the start. Whereas in other cities, it would have been... Yeah, I mean, Belmar. Yeah. I mean, you talk about loved individuals in the city for two seasons worth of work, where in most cities it'd be, oh, it's, you know, he was a great player for us for two years, you know, fourth line guy. But it was more to that to this city. These were the original players who are loved, who will always be there and and always be remembered as being part of that first, you know, magical season, really. Right. It's a really unique situation. and It's incredible. It's incredible. And it can't be replicated organically, inorganically. It's just... It's one of those one in a trillion type of things that everything kind of came together and it turned out to be what it was. The right people involved, the yep. right people on and off the ice, mm-hmm. management, players, front office, city. staff, city. I mean, it just kind of converged in this magical, you know, mystery brew yeah. that somehow produced an unbelievable vintage. Right. Like, an <laughs> unbelievable vintage. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an amazing thing. That's so funny. Just this one golden cask of of. I was the trying stuff. to think of where I wanted to go. Yeah, like, no, that's this a amazing IPA. Yeah. Or this, yeah, but no, a vintage. But yeah, it absolutely. It is like it just. You know, yesterday I had the chance to because it was an NBCSN game, so I wasn't on yeah. the broadcast. But I we was missed in, you, and I was in town. And, oh, thank you. I, I'm sure the NBC guys did fine. But yeah. uh, and Shane Knighty had the chance to work the game though between the benches. Really cool. Oh, sure, great. But. Um, but in any case, though, I just had the chance to to be a civilian at the game. Yeah, you know, and and walk around and just the enthusiasm of everybody. It's crazy. Hey, how Mike. Much stuff. Hey, Mike. Hey, yeah. and, and I'm I get I, when you're a player, you hardly get recognized with a mask on and everything. Yeah, and for sure. And but it's just fun. Like I love meeting the people here. I, yeah. I just I love seeing the enthusiasm of people from and people from all over. Like the people yeah. come to Vegas from all over the place. And it's so inclusive of everybody. It's amazing. Right. And and to the point where fans of other teams will come come down here and watch the game and we'll buy Golden Knights stuff. Oh, like yeah. I remember when I was in Minnesota when I was when that first season was going on, I had a bunch of my friends just saying, like, 
I'm jumping on the bandwagon. This is a fun team. This is a fun right. thing because it's just not very often when when it's just there's a little disruption in the code for the NHL and for right. most professional sports because there's just like all right, then we we have the the season. It starts. Then we have the break. We have the All Star, and just it goes the same ish every year. But when you have an expansion team to see the amount of success and in the way that they played, and then for it to be in Vegas of all places, the game presentation exactly, here. and and there's just so many things that go into the fabric that makes up this entire hockey community and that's why I, I I'm sure it's why you took the opportunity yeah. you did what to, to work you with the team the excitement with exactly it, the and it's unique and even I, I know that there's a ton of excitement with Seattle and I know that's a, it's very much a, a hockey crazy community and we'll and we'll do nothing but grow but it's just it's it's about Vegas and it's about the city yeah. and the weirdness and the bit and it's just I don't know I don't know what kind of Kool-Aid it is, but it's it's my type of vintage to 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 steal your term. It's just so cool to be at the game and see it. Yeah. And I think they, the Golden Knights have done an amazing job of balancing the hockey aspect and the seriousness that seriousness yeah. of that and what's going on with the Vegas aspect. Yes. You know, it's this perfect com- combination of the two where people come into the game from out of town. Yeah, and, the and purists. First, and first, by the way, it's hard to get a ticket. Yes. Which is great because yep. it's a locals thing. Exactly. Um, Which was wasn't the plan when they were thinking about bringing the team down here. They're like, oh yeah, t- teams will well, they'll travel. The fans will travel. You're on just planning on getting people in the building, however possible. Correct. And it's morphed into this locals diehard local. Mm-hmm. You know, this is our team, Vegas born. But man, you come to the game and there's this pre-show, and then sure. like last night, Blue Man Group is there and they're just throwing chilling. marshmallows at fans, and yep. and Cirque du Soleil comes in and. You know, it's similar to what I did in the ECHL here where we had all kinds of different people come to our games to do anthems and things. But the NHL is on such a greater scale. Yes. And and it's... And even the bit guys. Like Chance the Rapper has really nothing to do with hockey, but the fact that he says, let's go do that hockey. Brilliant! I mean, we had... It's brilliant. We had Tyson Fury on set with us, the heavyweight champion of the world. Just casually. Gypsy King's up there hanging with us, you know, and... And lo and behold, he has a white Golden Knights jacket that happened to match his logos and everything. And what does he wear to the ring pre, you know, pre-fight? Mm-hmm. Look at that! Right? I, it just—it's a cool thing. It's kind of like the Raiders back in the day when 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 hip hop was kind of coming up and in 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 L.A. <laughs> I'm thinking it was e- just—it was a lifestyle thing. I'm thinking, yeah. And then it became affiliated with gangs. But yeah, I remember, before I'm thinking, that, I'm thinking of Easy E with a Raiders hat sure. on a skateboard with a bulletproof vest on, yeah. rolling through Compton. Or the Running Rebels, but a, yeah. another local angle. Like it, it, it can take over the fabric of of, of a personality. Dallas Cowboys. If mm-hmm. you're a Midwest person. The Cowboys are huge in a lot of places. I, I don't know Cowboys. why. I don't like them either, but they yeah. are. You know, yep. like America's team because that's they they branded themselves as that and they built it and certain things happened yep. and it blew up. It's yep. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird city we live in. <laughs> it is, but it's the the its own culture and its own identity is, is just so unique because everybody like everybody here has a story yeah really yeah you know of what brought them to vegas and then what brought them to the team and like, like a specific memory too i've asked some fans yeah. that as well i'm just like wow if you want to meet people in this city it's one of the easiest cities on earth to meet people 100 percent. you walk up you go you know who's where your favorite you, where, night where are you from who's mm-hmm. your favorite like why like and if right. they're a local that's even a point of conversation because they've been here for a long time yeah You've seen the city grow. Is this not unbelievable? Yeah. It, it just, it, it's it's so unique and it's so different than, you know, the Eastern U.S. where people have just, they're f- fleeing from it. In exactly. In a lot of cities, you know, like right. people are coming here because they're excited. It's like the internet boom. This city is like the yeah. the epitomization of the internet boom. Yeah. Everybody's like, grab it. Everybody come on in. It's a, it's a huge fun and it's and it's great and it's, and it's exciting and it's. 
I'm I'm so glad that this team is finally starting to kind of put them put themselves together and and find themselves. Well, we won't talk about last night because last night was just it was an anomaly, you know. Well, you run into a, like there's a couple things that happened last night. First, they they get scored on right away. Yep, and. That can happen in games. Yep. All right, it does. Happens a lot to the Golden Knights, actually. And, uh, they've been better about that recently, that though. That they have. Okay, so that we'll, they have. we'll give them that. Yep. They get behind, and like they just weren't crisp last night in terms no. of passing, and they possessed the puck a lot in terms of being in the Knights zone, but or I'm sorry, in the Kings zone, but the number of pucks that blew up off their blade. Or, right. or keepins at the blue line, miss nets, mm-hmm. and Cal Peterson had maybe the best game I've ever seen him play for in sure. that for the Kings. You know, it just was one of those games that those things all li- aligned. Right. And it happened. They well, just won eight straight. It was bound to happen. Exactly. And you know? and it's easy to 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 see a team that's in the stand in the place in the standings like the Kings are and say like we're markedly better. These guys are still NHL players. Sure. And at the end of the day, the Kings were pretty much invented at least throughout the, the this past decade the whole big body, let's keep guys to the outside. And once you get the lead, and that's what's happened in every single game that the Kings have won against the Knights this, this year is that they've had the lead after the first period. Well, then we just clog up the middle and then we block shots and make sure you're taking the, the shots from low danger areas. And, you know, if you're Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick, we know what kind of goaltenders come out of that organization. And we, they can stop those. Sure. So it's an, it's an easy kind of game plan and one that I think – is a lot like a, a playoff hockey type of, of of game plan, and for the most part, and how how the game kind of changes, and how you attack teams, and how you shut things down, because you don't want to all of a sudden get into a, a you know a barn burner five right. four. You just don't want it to happen in the, early in the second period, like yes. you did for LA. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you want to get to the point where you're hang, like hanging on is not the right phrase here. Yes, but you want to be clamping down for like the last five six minutes. Like for that's sure. where you see. The, the big wave come at you with the block shots and, For sure. and playoff hockey yeah. and dig it in the trenches yeah. and get the puck deep, just yep. get the red and get it in. That's so, all we do and change. You know, you can see that LA is they're missing ingredients, but, yeah. but again, it's the NHL yep. right? and that team. These guys want to prove off. they want to be here too. They're, they're pissed off as well. And it's funny with them because they've, you know, they've, they've tried to be more up tempo as the year's gone on yeah. and tried to change. And they've kind of, kind of had to revert back to what their lineup is. But yeah. But that's the the constant constant cat and mouse of hockey is being ready and mm-hmm. you know when you're a team like the Golden Knights facing them, it's hard not to think it's point night. You know yeah. this team isn't great. It's we've point won eight night. in a row. We've beat the teams that we've beaten. Right. Yeah, for so sure. So they all went into last night knowing they couldn't overlook them. Yeah, you know it it just can happen. But those are the games that. Ironically enough, you really need to simplify your game, right? You know, because those points matter just as much as the two points over Washington and St. Louis do. You can't be chucking sauce passes from blue line to blue line and hoping they land just because you're playing a team that's below you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you still have to have that same mentality: short passes, simple plays, for sure. And and, yeah, it didn't work out last night, but they 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 all to a man almost said afterwards, like I think if we play that most games, we're going to win, and and they're right. Yeah, they're absolutely right. It just hockey <laughs> wasn't in the cards last night right. they'll have an opportunity to, to at least turn the tide against another team that's struggled this year with the with the devils on tuesday and before we let you go because thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us for so long who's your vesna pick i know i know that, that the goalie awards and everything kind of is, you, you take it with a grain of salt but who do you think has played the best this year in the nhl wow man that's gonna make me have to consult things here to look I know. at like i've been so so focused on the Golden Knights. Yeah, I know. It's tough times, to keep. It's tough to keep you track. Know, um, 
Boy, it's hard because like Vasilevsky's really come on strong lately. Yep. Didn't start well though. Nope. So no, like, he didn't. I, I always am looking towards teams that have been able to hold it up the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know. So and of course, you know what you have to do if you're picking Vesna. You got to look at the best teams because that's yes. the only teams that ever let somebody win one of these awards. This is true. Okay, uh, Bobrovsky's about the only guy. It was what they didn't make the playoffs. I don't think, and he won one. Right, like that doesn't happen. That just shows you how crazy of a year he had. Right, to, so, to win that award over guys who did find themselves in the playoffs and know, had good like, years themselves. Look at me cheating to look at the standings no, okay here to, to make cheat. sure because okay. I've got to make sure I understand. But like, we're not all knowing. We it's are funny. not mother well, Google. Here. Here's the thing. What's funny about it though is that you know the teams that have historically had goalies like the Pekarenes, who mm-hmm. were always in the conversation, sure. and you know they haven't been there per se right right you know that's been kind of a talk there right i mean you know who really should be winning this thing right now is Jakob markstrom yes. and he's hurt now though yes so you know you're out for three four weeks towards the end of the season what if his team doesn't make playoffs yeah what and if there's he only, recency bias too what if he only plays 40 games or whatever right, right? and that's a hard place to be in, right? Or you have a team like Boston who has has Tukarask and, and Yaroslav Halak where, where they're going to win the President's Trophy in all right. likelihood, but they've pretty much split time, so you can't... How do you, you pick yeah, one exactly. of those guys, you it's, know? It's, it's, a, it's a very weird spot that we find ourselves I in mean, in the goaltending position. Everybody thinks Hellebuck's had a great season, which he has. He has. But is this team going to make playoffs? Because that's obviously on the goalie to score goals. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Markstrom to me has been... He really has been incredible. And, and it's not just watching him play and, and watching the growth in his game under Ian Clark as a goalie coach there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just how he manages things now, his demeanor. Mm-hmm. He's so in control and laid back. And before he was fiery, like he, yep. he really. It's learned about managing your emotions. Managing Fake emotions, it it. managing the game. Mm-hmm. And and his the underlying numbers on him are through the roof too. Right. Like, like the advanced stats. So for it's, sure. this isn't just for show, you know. Like, yeah. His is a real deal. Yeah. So, I mean, him, Vasilevsky, you're going to be looking at real candidates for this. Bishop will probably be, again, maybe in the mix yeah, towards it. You know, um, Bennington has been a little has been a little inconsistent. I mean, Darcy Kemper was on track to be in the mix for sure. And that's the thing: if he probably doesn't get hurt and keeps up, or at least stays in the general vicinity of the play that he was putting forth for the early right. part of the season for the Coyotes, I think he's a runaway 100%. guy. But that's not what it what it's turned out to yeah. be. And he's been impressive. He has. Look at the Columbus Merzlikens and Corpus I know. Salt, that, like, and, like, they're supposed to be junk. They're Merzlikens, supposed to be Merzlikens junk. didn't win a game until almost New Year's. Right. And then it clicked for him. Yeah, and he had, like, three straight shutouts, yeah. and it started all right here. That's and, right. And I'll tell you what, though, with that guy, I give Yarmo Kekalainen, the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets, a huge amount of credit for 100%. having the guts to stick it out with Corpus and Merzlikens because there hasn't been a goalie since Martin Gerber in 2 to come straight out of the Swiss League to the NHL full-time. Yeah. Jonas yeah. Hiller played nine games in Portland, Maine. I was there as a teammate with him when he did it. Yep. Like, this hasn't happened. And they kept saying, this guy's good. We believe in him. Yep. And it took a while. And nationality matters sometimes because some but, places produce more goalies at a higher rate and some don't. Yeah. But when it, when it comes to kind of those secondary countries that are certain to make some noise. And, Latvian. And de- yeah. Latvian. I mean, I mean, like you said, the Swiss, you have like Nino Niederreiter that's coming, right. out, coming out of there. You have a bunch of players that are. Look at Dreisaitl. He's German. I, I know. I mean, that's the other a, thing. I forget about it, that he's German. There was things. a draft bias against Dreisaitl yep. because, well, there hasn't really been German guys before. Well, right. Look at that. Yeah. I well, mean. <laughs> talk about draft bias. We can talk about Russian players for, for decades. This, sure. is, this is that's just one of those things that makes up hockey. But regardless, we're gonna we are 
we're going to be in for a treat with with this team and just yep. with this final stretch for the NHL and for these playoffs because I don't think it's been this close with this many good teams in a very long while. No, and it's exciting. The parity of the league makes it a battle every night. 100%. And I wish we could start playoffs tomorrow. Honestly. I know. I wish I know, we just right? had an extended four months playoffs because you're already seeing to start yeah. start to ramp up a little bit. Yep. And and once you have the sellers at the deadline, you just kind of want to get it going, you know? Yeah. You're like, can we go golf now? We're we're pretty much done. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Mike. Uh, where can we find you on social media if we want to follow all of your insightful things? With thank you very much. Uh, yep. Yeah, at Mike McKenna fifty six on the instas and on uh, the twitters, mm-hmm. and then six degrees with Mike McKenna is available on all. Uh, major podcast streaming great podcast spotify itunes google play google podcast youtube all those all of the bases i'll have more of those coming uh probably towards the end of the season and you know uh, off season you know yeah that's kind of my wheelhouse when i can do those you know so (laughs) exactly uh, but yeah go back in the archives there's been a lot of fun ones glenn hall mano rayom marty baron marty turco right on some people outside of hockey too some musicians and things so a lot we, of fun. We all have eyes and we all have takes, don't we? That's it. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate you joining us here for the Nightcap Extra. And uh, yeah, we're good. All right. Everybody go enjoy a good vintage. Vintage. Retweet. <laughs> awesome. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.